Little Book Stew viewers, I'm so glad to be with you today. It's the summer, as you'll be able to tell by our outfits. The weather is beautiful, and it's time to delve into a historical fiction novel set in Boston in the early 1900s. And here with me is Jane Healy, the author of this marvelous book called The Saturday Evening Girls Club. Uh, Jane, welcome to Book Stew. And uh, let's, I did notice in the imprint that um, it's called Lake Union Publishing, which was a publishing house I'm not familiar with. And apparently, you won a contest. So why don't you tell us about that first? Yes, um, I had put this manuscript aside for a few years. And then um, last year, I actually took my mother-in-law to see the movie Brooklyn. And that's an American immigrant story. And I, I thought, geez, you know, this, I couldn't get this published a few years ago, but I felt like the, the timing was better for American immigrant stories. And so I thought, well, I'll try one more time to get this published, and if it doesn't happen, it's not meant to be. And so I was putting together a list of agents and editors, and I heard about this contest called Kindle Scout, which is basically a crowdsourced um, publishing contest. So you put your manuscript on this website, and people from all over the world really can vote for your manuscript as to whether they think it deserves to be published or not. And you put the whole manuscript up? You did, but then they only put like an excerpt, like a okay. chapter or two up. I think it was 20 pages or something. Yeah, and so people voted and um, it's a 30-day window and you try to promote it on social media and get people to vote for you, although it's really unclear whether that really matters or not. <laughs> you know? um, and so, I, you know, I, when I put it up on Kindle Scout, I knew that agents and editors checked out this website for potential projects. Ah, so they don't have to have it in a physical slush pile. Yes, yes. Okay. So I knew they checked it out, and I had said the day I put it up on Kindle Scout, I said to my husband, I really just want Danielle Marshall of Lake Union Publishing to see this manuscript and call me up after this contest is over. And so. Don't tell me that that's what happened. Uh, my head exploded, like honestly. So wait, can you just say, get up tomorrow morning and go, I really want world peace. Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> like, that has never happened in my, in my whole life. And so 30 days later, I won the contest. And two days after the contest, after I won, I got a phone call. And they said, we have Danielle Marshall of Lake Union on the line. And she'd like to talk to you about a publishing deal. OK, so why, why was it uh, this particular uh, person that you were hoping would call you? Um, I'd read a lot of interviews, and she, the Lake Union Publishing specializes in um, women's fiction, book club fiction, and historical fiction. So I thought it was just like the perfect niche publisher for this story. So when story. you say book club fiction, there really is a thing called, I mean, I'm in a book club, probably everyone, you know, every woman I know is in a book club. And some men. We have to actually have two men in nice. ours. But what is book club fiction would be something where um, you make yourself available to talk to book clubs when they read your book? or Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I've already talked to a few book clubs. Really? And yes. And, um, and it, 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 it's, I think book club fiction is books that people enjoy discussing, whether it's because of a, the historical nature or because of you know, a mystery thriller domestic fiction, uh -huh. uh, you know, it, it, you know it, it runs the gamut. But That's so interesting because um, I find with our book club that the best discussions are about books we couldn't stand. Really? Or yeah, or, <laughs> because we'd be start by talking about what we hated about the book, <laughs> right, and then right. eventually one, someone will go, well, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad because I did like this one thing. Oh, but it, funny. you know, everything, something that we all loved, like I know the Saturday Evening Girls Club would be very popular, oh, we'd you. be like, 
okay, you know, like, what can we say about this? Oh, we all loved it. It was awesome. And then, you know, you don't get that much controversy. You just get everybody shaking their heads. So, right, right. Um, but um, I think it, still think it's a, it's a good uh, good book club choice. But that's so interesting. I hadn't thought about book club fiction. Yeah, so yeah. you knew of her. Yes. Yes. I had been doing my research on agents and editors, and I just... I, I read an article about her and about the, the imprint, like Union Publishing, and I was like, oh, that would be perfect. That would be perfect for this book. So, so. what's your background as far as writing in general goes? Um, so I, when my daughters were born, I decided to try my hand at freelance writing. I had been an, actually a product marketing manager in high tech, and, ah. uh, but I'd always, want, I'd always been sort of the go-to writer in the different companies I worked for, and so I said, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this freelance thing. So I've, I've written for p magazines and newspapers. I've written for private clients. Um, I've written, you know, I've helped to ghostwrite business books and uh -huh. technical white papers, and, and you know, all sorts of articles. And um, so, and actually, the the way I discovered the story of the girls is through an article for Boston Home Magazine I wrote about ten years ago. Um, I was writing a regular column on New England antiques, and oh. my editor said, you really need to check out this Saturday evening girls club pottery, and it's often called Paul Revere pottery too, or sometimes called Paul Revere pottery, and she said, I think that would be a good one to write about, and so, um, so yeah, I've, I, that's how I first learned about it. It's an iconic example of the arts and crafts period of um, the I early 19th. Let me just interrupt you. I yeah. hope we're getting a great shot of this pottery because it's just beautiful. So they, the it girls, is fired it and painted it both? They did, yes. Which is really yeah, amazing. Yeah, they had a shop in the basement of um, 18 Hull Street. That was the original location of the pottery. They eventually moved to Brighton. Um, and they had a kiln in the back, and then the shop was in the front. And they were trained by, um, there was three founders of the club. One was Edith Gruyere. She was a librarian at the, at the North End Library. Her partner, Edith Brown, was a trained MFA artist and ah. also a children's illustrator. And if you look at the pottery, you can sort of see Definitely. that influence. So she trained the girls on, on making the pottery and, and de decorating the pottery. She had a certain aesthetic in mind. And um, it's also called Paul Revere Ware? It's sometimes called Paul Revere Pottery. What does that come from? Um, because it was right, 18 Hall Street was right near the Old North Church. Oh, okay. So, that's so is Hall Street still there? Um, the building is there. I think, you know, I was, someone asked me this at a book club the other day. I think it's a, a new build. It looks too modern. Oh, I, you know, I think they might, might have knocked down the original. Yeah, All right, so yeah. let me, now that you, I, I think the story of how, of how the, uh, you were contacted and winning the contest is really amazing. But I want to talk a lot about the book since I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. So um, those of you who read The Boston Girl by Anita Diamond will, uh, will understand almost the, the very similar background uh, to the Saturday Evening Girls Club. So if you enjoyed The Boston Girl, which I know a lot of you did, you will also love this book. Um, this book involves basically four girls who are friends and they all live in the North End. And there's two Italian girls and two Jewish girls, which I enjoyed because the contrast between their cultures yes. is very, very strong. One of the things I like most about the book, and I'm gonna put my fabulous vintage reading glasses on and read, the opening of every chapter has a proverb in it, uh, and some of them are Jewish proverbs and some of them are Italian. So I'm just going to read them really quickly. I love them. The first I liked was called a share was an Italian proverb that says a shared trouble is half joy. These are all like things you can really think about. And I was thinking um, when I was reading the book, I got to put some of these up on Facebook. 
Yes, and yeah. Proverbs never expected to be up on Facebook. <laughs> right, right. The next one was, don't be sweet lest you be eaten up. Don't be bitter lest you be spewed out. And that is a Jewish proverb. And being Jewish, I can understand where that comes from, except I think from my my late grandmother it would mostly be the bitter and not the sweet. <laughs> and then we've got, don't open a shop unless you know how to smile, which is another Jewish proverb and makes perfect sense. And... Another Jewish proverb, everyone is kneaded out of the same dough, but not baked in the same oven. Wow. That this is, is um, so great. That's a favorite for, of people. That's one of the favorites that's yeah. come up again and again. It's Has funny. You, did your book club, um, when you spoke to them, did they mention the proverbs? They I, did, yes. I thought yeah. that was such a unique way to open each chapter. And the last one Thank that you. I loved was, a good mother is worth a hundred teachers, which is like... Love so um, what gave you the idea of opening with Proverbs? Um, well, it's funny. I, I've been collecting the Proverbs as I was doing the research for the book because I love quotes and, you know, sayings and inspirational, you know, things. And so um, I was at first I tried to weave them into the dialogue and then I was like, this is ridiculous. People don't talk in Proverbs. Like even in 1908. Or maybe in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People don't talk in Proverbs. So I was like, how can I use these? And I loved that, you know, as you talk about, there's two different cultures here, Italian culture, Jewish culture. And so I wanted to use both, I wanted to use them both in a way. And I thought, well, if I can, if I can come up with one per chapter that sort of relates to the theme of that particular chapter, then I can, then it'll work. You know, if it, if it if I if I'm just sort of throwing them up there, it doesn't work. But I was really um, there's so many there's so many great ones, even the ones that I, I you know I, that are not in the book. So I was able to come up with one that kind of fit each chapter. Ones about mothers and friendship, and um, and life, and you know and opening shop, a shop. Yeah, yeah. Because um, one the really the uh, one of the the main themes of the book is that Caprice, who's one of the Italian girls is bound and determined that she's going to open a millinery shop, a hat shop. Um, having been, worked at one and uh, done some great creative work, and then all of a sudden the owner of the shop just decides to close the shop down. Um, so the, in the beginning, you're concerned about Caprice because she loses her job with basically one day's notice and is lucky enough because she was involved in the Saturday Evening Girls Club at Hull House to be uh, to be put into a, a job opening working with uh, the Saturday Evening Girls Club pottery. So um, you've been able to interweave what options there were for women at the time, which were very limited, right. um, with exactly. you know, something that really went on in a place where women really had jobs, which I, which I loved. And you also include, um, one of the characters in the book is actually Mrs. Storrow, Helen Osborne Storrow. Yes. So all I could think of was, wow, there was like a woman involved in Storrow Drive. It wasn't just yes. her husband. She's very much, she and the, uh, the older women who help the girls are very much a focal point in the book. They're such great mentors. Such great mentors. And Helen Storrow, I feel like, is one of those women in Boston history and American history that is not talked about enough. She was um, incredible in terms of mentoring these women and one thing I don't mention in the book is that she provided scholarships to many of them to go on to college which wow. was really I mean 1908 that was pretty pretty early times for women going to college really? and, um, so and she also um, I don't I, I sort of started talking about um, 
the fact that they that she built a, a in an older draft she had built a, a compound for them in Gloucester, which is something the Boston girl yeah, talks about. Right, yeah, that's right. That's um, right. You know, so she built that for them, and um, and she actually actually the pottery opened in around 1908 and closed um, before this right before the Second World War, and it never really financially was that was viable. She always kind of bolstered it up yep. with her own funds. Um, and with her friends, because she was always friends, nagging her exactly, friends to with her friends. come and buy the pottery. Um, but she was really a remarkable woman, ahead of her time, very involved in the settlement movement, helping immigrants and, um, in the early 1900s, and her husband was uh, really remarkable as well in that way. Some of her friends, and I, I talk about it a little bit in the, in the scene at Isabella Stewart Gardner's Ooh, house. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, which is based on a true story. Some of her friends were, were nativists, and so that meant they were anti-Semitic, uh. anti-Catholic, anti-immigrant. Not all of them, but some of them definitely had different views Boy, than she did. Boy, where have we heard that recently? I, I did want to bring that up because there's an amazing scene in the book where the settlement girls who um, are just so uh, encouraged to be so creative are putting on uh, a play, they're putting on Merchant of Venice. Yes. And guess, you're not gonna believe where they are. So we all have been, I'm sure, to the Gardner Museum and you go and you look out at the courtyard and you look up at the flowers and up on the fourth, the top floor is the fourth floor. And we know now that like that's where the caretaker lives and the museum staff and stuff. But at, at one point and in this book, Mrs. Gardner lived on the fourth floor. So to me, that was absolutely thrilling because yes. of course we're going to visit the museum when it wasn't her home. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, now it's so notorious, unfortunately, for the stolen artwork. To think that, that the woman who put the museum together is actually living, comes down, greets the girls, yes. encourages them to come there and perform. Mm -hmm. All girls, the Merchant yes. of Venice. I thought that was just a beautiful scene. Oh, I thank you. It, and that's also it. based on a true story. I, you know, in my research I read about that and I was like, that's amazing. I have to include that because it brings together Starro and Gardner and, and, and these these young women who are just sort of trying to get ahead and, and the, the differences in class and culture. Um, I, I just loved it. I loved reading about it in my research and I, I wanted to weave that in somehow. So how did you develop your four main characters and where did they come from? Um, you know, they came from, you know, all of my research and I, I, I sort of, I started to do the research after I finished the article, I started doing the research almost as a hobby because I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And so the Schlesinger Library, can always pronounce that, <laughs> Schlesinger Library at Harvard is a great resource for women's, American women's history. And they had boxes of the old newsletters and articles and artifacts and thesis papers about the girls. And so I read a lot of anecdotes. I also studied tenement life at the time uh -huh. for young women, um, you know, female economy that back then, what jobs were available. And I, at first I was like, well, maybe I'll try to write a nonfiction book, put together a proposal. But there were so many good stories like the ones we've talked about, I wanted to and I wanted to include all of them. I, I thought the best way would be to, you know, create these four characters that sort of embody, were like a composite of all, all these women I had read about. And so, and I wanted to make sure I represented both the Jewish women in the club and the Italian women in the club. Um, I, one thing I love about the story is that these women were from very different cultures and they became best friends. And even when they were in their 70s and 80s, they were still having reunions, you know, every Aww. year or two. And I, I just loved that too. The bond that they created was so amazing and it, it was lifelong. And you know, it's, it's, uh, 
it's kind of sad to think that um, we do it all now on social media and you know social media in ways seems to be a way to avoid actual face-to-face -face contact with people right, right. where they had nothing remotely like that. So Jane, I'm going to ask you now if you wouldn't do a, a short reading for us. To me this was a, just a lyrically beautiful part of the book and maybe you can set up the circumstances. Thank you. So th this part is um, th the main character in, in the novel Caprice is um, wants to open her own shop, her own millinery shop in the North End and that's not something that was re regularly done back then. It was pretty, you know, e to be an entrepreneur now as a woman is hard, to be one over a hundred years ago was incredibly hard, but she was determined, um, she wanted to be her own boss and so this is a discussion she has with her mother about it and they're talking about her father too who's really against the idea because he's incredibly traditional and just wants her to get married and, and follow the old-fashioned ways of, um, of their country. So I will start. Um, my mother studied our hands and was quiet for a moment. My jaw clenched. I was waiting for her to again start asking, talking about why I, Caprice Russo, daughter of Sicilian immigrants, shouldn't do this, shouldn't want more, why I should be thinking about marriage and babies and living a life just like hers. She pulled her hand away from me leaned back in her chair and looked me in the eye. Here is my problem with this shop plan of yours, dear daughter, she said. This house, this family, this is where I have power. The family is where women are in control. They make the decisions, even if the men don't always realize this. She shook her finger at me, then pointed to the window. The world out there, that world is ruled by men. It will always be ruled by men. If you own a shop, you will always have to deal with that every single day. Men charging you more money for supplies because you're a woman. Men being slow to deliver something because you're a woman. Men trying to intimidate you on prices because you're a woman. It will not be an easy road for you. It is a path most women don't choose because it's very, very difficult. I know it's not going to be easy, I said, but I'm not going to give up my dream because it's going to be hard. This is what I want to do with my life. I think. No, I know I can be an excellent shop owner, and I'm, afraid, I'm not afraid of the fact that it won't be easy for me. I need to at least try. My mom and I sat there in silence for what felt like hours, but in reality was only a couple of minutes. She finally raised her eyebrows. Okay, okay, she said with a huge sigh. So tonight we will talk to your father about it. But you have to let me guide the conversation, no more. Before she could continue, I jumped out of my seat, knelt down next to her, and wrapped my arms around her in the tightest embrace I could muster. I couldn't believe she was going to take my side. Grazie, thank you, thank you, thank you, I said into her hair, smelling the faint scent of lemon. Thank you. I love that part uh, so much because um, the mother is so strong and she's so wise and she knows I mean I don't want she's not manipulative she just understands the way to her husband's consent yes, yes. and her statement that you know that it's a man's world it'll always be a man's world maybe it won't always be but as far as she could see that was that was how it was going to be yet she did not you know she only encouraged her daughter yes and i think it took her some time to get there but she could see that 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 was the right path for her i just yeah. i just love that part also in the book there are some uh some romances because um you know it would be pretty boring if they weren't but <laughs> i also like that they don't take center stage what really takes center stage 
is the support and the friendship that the girls provide from each other and also the support and friendship of women that you would normally think of as just kind of society ladies yes. who actually genuinely cared about these girls. They did. Um, yeah. So they were kind of like early feminists. They were. Way. They were. And, uh, and yes, they were. Uh, Edith Gruyer was ahead of her time as the North End librarian. And she, it, she was the one, um, you know, in 1899, a small group of these women kept showing up, these, these young, you know, late teens, early 20s. Um, Russian and Italian immigrant girls kept showing up for a story hour at the library on Saturday nights and she she realized she's like they need more they need more there's not much you know there was enough there were things for men there was training and clubs and but there wasn't a lot for young women and she saw this need and enlisted the help of her um, partner Edith Brown and and Helen Starrow to help finance it and 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 they that's what they did and actually at the height of the clubs there was it, the Saturday Evening Girl Club became so popular that there was a club named for every day of the week, ah. and it served about over 300 girls. And each day of the week was a different age group. So like Monday night might have been like seven to ten year olds, and, oh. and it was a really big deal to graduate from Friday Evening Girl Club ah. to Saturday Evening Girl Club because that was you know that's it's yeah. so so progressive and yes, so amazing. Yeah. And of course, I'm a library trustee, so any. Uh, any positive reinforcements for libraries yes, is, yeah. uh, it, to me, it makes, just makes a book glow even more. <laughs> oh, thank so you. Uh, what's, uh, now, what's on the horizon next, and will you go back to Lake Union, do you think, for your next, for your next uh, literary effort? Yes, I'm working on another um, historical fiction proposal for Lake Union that is about another um, lesser known group of women in American history. So oh, I'm good, hoping, good, good, good. you know, I'm superstitious. I can't say too much, because, but I'm hoping that they, they contract me for that. And it's been really lovely. Um, the feedback about the Saturday Evening Girls Club people are asking, am I gonna write a sequel? And um, I've certainly thought about that. I think that there's a lot there, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure we'll have to see what the publisher thinks about that idea. Well, so. um, from my opinion was, I. I can't. I I think writing a decent ending is to me has always been the hardest so hard. part. Yeah. So this ended very well in that the door is left open, but it's it's satisfying because conflicts are resolved. But you know it's not like you anticipate that their lives are going to be conflict free going right, ahead. Right. Yes. Plus you know you're going to be getting into World War One and yes. so I it's hope there's a sequel. But I think it was a very satisfying read in and of itself, and it will hold up without oh, finding out what happens to the girls. Thank you. So I want to thank you so much, Jane, for being with me today. I had a great time talking about this book. Me and too. I'm going to show you all the cover, which is nicely done, and suggest that you all head to your library or to Amazon to read your copy of the Saturday Evening Girls Club. And maybe your book club will even contact Jane and get to speak with her in person. So thanks again for appearing on Book Stew with me, and I'll look forward to uh, reading more from you in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Jane.